Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sage Advice Podcast. I am your host, Sin Sage, and with me today, I have a lovely, wonderful guest, Miss Sydney Screams. Hello, how are you? Hey, Sin, I'm great. How are you? Oh, freaking awesome. Just just freaking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I love hearing that. (laughs) Yes. So uh, I love to have my guests sort of introduce themselves, like tell me who you are and what you do and like your accolades and everything. Tell tell me your whole life story. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Elevator pitch. (laughs) Well, I am Sydney Screams. I am a plus size performer currently based in Las Vegas. I've been in the industry since I was 19 and I turned 36 at the end of October. So it's been a minute. Um, I do a lot of niche fetish content, a lot of hardcore content. Um, I love making custom videos. I'm all over the internet doing everything everywhere all at once. (laughs) Yes. Best movie ever. Right? I love that movie so much. That is so brilliant. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So I I guess I didn't realize you'd been in um, for that long. So it's been... 16, 17 years. Yep. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. A lot of people oh. like, you know, they're like when I tell people, oh, yeah, it's been 20 years, and they're like, what? How is yeah. that even? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that I've been in the industry that long because the first several years of my career, I wasn't doing any hardcore. I was just doing okay. fetish content on Clips for Sale. And like at the time, Clips for Sale. Like it's always been a big platform, but not necessarily as well recognized within the industry as like a legitimate sex work avenue. And so the first, I guess, five or six years of my career, I was just on clips for sale doing fetish content. And like, if you look at my Hot Ones profile, I think it is, um, it says that I started porn the year that I did my first hardcore scene, which hardcore yeah. porn, yeah, but I had been performing longer than that. And I also did yeah. like art modeling and pinup modeling and all this other stuff. And so I've been around a lot longer than people think. <laughs> yeah, totally. So uh, you're mentioning art modeling, pinup modeling. So did you ever get into camming before, like in the early days or not so much? I never really loved camming. I'm not as much of a people person as I think is required for camming. I'm yes. very shy, very introverted. And camming is like stepping way, 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 way outside of what I am good at. And so I tend to focus in areas where I'm good rather than where I just feel awkward. (laughs) Yeah. Or, you know, trying to fit yourself into a, you know, square peg in a round hole or whatever the fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, you know, my, my, uh, career started with stripping just because it was like, that's accessible. And also it was like, 2002 at the time, so 2003. So, you know, like clip stores were there. I never heard of them before. You know what I mean? The internet was still kind of new. And um, so that was sort of like my training ground, right? But then when I found out about where I got into porn, and then it wasn't until later that I found out about like clips for sale and, and that you could make your own clips and things of that nature. So that's cool that yours started that way. Yeah. Um, and I think like in my evolution, it's all like, I do less of that sort of customer interaction thing nowadays because kind of of what you're saying. Like, (laughs) it's a a little bit, you know, 
it's hard to understand psychologically, like how you're supposed to cater to individuals based on how you read them and stuff like that. Like I've never been super good at that shit. <laughs> Me neither. Like I, I, I like men, but I am no expert when it comes to men. And so like, for me, it's much easier to interact with women, but women mm-hmm. typically aren't my consumers. Um, that's yeah. kind of changing, but like mm-hmm. typically men are the one buying my content. And so I'm just like, I don't know how to talk to you quite as easily as I know how to talk to women. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> yeah. So, but you mentioned you that's been changing a little bit lately. Um, yeah. As far as like the consumers that you hear from, can you tell me about that a little bit? Yeah. So over the past few years, I guess really when I started kind of amping up how much hardcore content I was filming, um, I started getting a lot more femme customers, both trans women and cis women, and even like non-binary folks who are kind of more femme presenting. And mm-hmm. it was really cool for me because like, I'm a porn fan and I'm not really like <laughs> the biggest porn consumer, but like, I'm a fan. I, I have people that I like that I've bought content from or that I've subscribed to and that sort of stuff. But like, yeah. I've kind of shied away from ever engaging with the people that I buy from because I don't want to cross a professional boundary. Yeah, um, I get that. And so it was really cool for me to start having women buy my content, subscribe to my pages and stuff like that. And be like actively vocal and expressing themselves, talking about their struggles as women, talking about like their transition, that sort of thing. And so it's really cool to be able to be like, I'm not just making porn for men anymore. I'm also making porn for women. Cause like I'm queer as hell. Like I have sex with men and they're great. And most of my long-term relationships have been with men, but women. Mm, yeah, women are special. I like them. <laughs> yep, agreed. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna like one of my questions that I do ask. I was gonna say, how do you identify like queer? Yeah, I'm queer as heck. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, my girlfriend. I've got a, a beautiful yeah. trans girlfriend. Yes, love her to death. But I, I've also dated men. I've dated women. Um, Cassie is definitely my longest relationship with a woman, which. I think that's just because I'm kind of relationship adverse. I don't, I don't really care about being in relationships that much. Um, okay. And so, yeah, I just, I love everybody. I'm kind of slutty in that way, but uh-huh. very, very queer leaning slutty. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's definitely how I identify. It's just easier to say I'm queer than like, you know, break down the description of my sexuality. Right? <laughs> yeah. That. <laughs> but I, that's interesting I, that um so how long have you and Cassie been in a relationship at this point four years and um actually oh my gosh, the day I didn't that realize. We're, yeah the day that we're filming this or recording this I should say um our relationship was a, or our anniversary was a week ago on the t- August 27th and so it's been four years and one week <laughs> oh congratulations thank you so what do you what do you think is different about this relationship than compared to all your prior ones where, you, you know, you're saying that you're kind of relationship averse in that sense, how, is this the longest relationship you've been in? It's not. Um, the okay. partner that I had before Cassie, he and I were together for, I think, six years. Um, okay. 
it should have ended around four years. <laughs> girl, girl, I feel you. I yeah. feel you. I've been there. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the biggest difference is Cassie and I talk about everything. There's nothing that is off limits to talk about. Well, sometimes there are things that are off limits just based on like mental health or how we're feeling that day. But like we sure. communicate like, I can't talk about this right now. Can we talk about this another time? And so yeah. we do our best to just communicate as openly and honestly and upfront as we possibly can. And I think that that's the biggest difference. That's the key. I feel like it really is. It the really, key to, really like, is. A long-term relationship is that there are no, of course, this is me just spouting off with my theories, but <laughs> there's no, uh, you know, doors that you close to your partner. Every door is open. And that doesn't mean, like you said, that there aren't certain things that can we wait for this conversation another day or like maybe now's not the time. That's totally fine. But there's like no secrets. There's no shade. Yeah. Everything's out in the open. So you talk about everything. You you just are 100% yourself, genuinely, authentically with your partner. And I just feel that's the that's the key when there are secrets or things are keeping hidden. It's, it's, it's like little drops of poison. This is my exactly. theory, but yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that's uh, so wonderful. I, I'm so happy for you guys. Congratulations. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I have to get Cassie on at some point too. Yeah. So your relationship model being that, you know, you work in this industry or a uh, you know, you do boy, girl, you do girl, girl, you do, you, you know, you just fuck fucking everyone <laughs> yeah. for, for work. And, you know, I assume Cassie does as well. Is there a, is there a line there for you guys? Like works work and personal life's personal life. We, are you not open in your personal life at all? Or how does that, how does that work? Um, so we are open in our personal life, but it's one of those things where we do our best to talk about anything, anyone that potentially comes up that way neither of us are cut caught unaware. Um, I'm both AD or I have both ADHD and I'm on the spectrum. And so change for me is something that is incredibly jarring. And so I kind of have to like mentally prepare for things. And so something that has honestly been a little bit of a struggle is me being ready for open the openness that we both seek. And Cassie is polyamorous. I am not polyamorous, but I am. So I am just relationship adverse, but that doesn't mean that I don't want to have partners or lovers outside of Cassie and I, it's just, I don't want to have romantic relationships with them. And so we both would be open to dating other people. It's just something that we haven't really had come up although both of us have had partners off camera outside of the industry, outside of our relationship. And so it's just kind of one of those things, like if it happens, cool. If it doesn't, cool. We're still going to be open and honest and talk about anything that could potentially be a thing. So, yeah. So if, if things are happening outside the relationship, it is more of a thing that you guys sit down together and you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Not like a don't ask, don't tell, but like a, okay, I'm having feelings for this person or I'm thinking about being with this person or I'm thinking about hooking up. Yeah. Is this okay? Can we talk about how, what are your feelings right now? <laughs> yeah. We don't really um, believe in asking each other for permission in regards right. to seeing other people because like yes. that's not 
that's not really it's not okay. Ownership. Exactly. Yeah. But like something for me that I recognize is like sometimes there are better times for having other people around than others. And that's Absolutely. that's more where the asking for permission sort of thing comes into play. Like, are you in a good mindset where this is an okay thing to happen? And so so far it's all been yeses, but I'm sure at some point there will be a no because that's just life. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course. Yeah, of course. And you're not Polly, but she is Polly. So yeah. you don't feel the romance with outside partners, but she can have that ability to have that romance. Yeah. Is, there a, is there a boundary around that? As in other loving relationships for you that would be hard to share in that sense or is it just kind of oh well if you fall in love with another person as long as you're still in love with me and I'm your primary that's okay so far and has it been had, a struggle for her um so far we haven't had that kind of situation come up just because like neither of us have really been in a, a good spot spot for dating or like starting mm -hmm. a new relationship but yeah. We've talked about it at length. It's something that I think initially I'm going to have some hesitations about just because I'm not Polly and yeah. I don't really care about romance with my other partners. And so yeah. if someone else were to come around, cool, let's have a conversation about it. But I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how that yeah. goes when it comes up. I know, yeah. For me, I have struggled with it because I don't have a poly mindset. I I'm I'm aromantic. And so for me, I don't seek mm. out other romantic relationships. Whereas Kathy mm. is someone that believes in she's got a, a huge heart that she can share with everyone. And I've technically been in poly relationships before, and I think the biggest downfall of those relationships was people getting so sucked into new new relationship energy that yes. they kind of left me aside. And if if that happens, like, yeah, we're going to have a fucking issue. Yeah. But I also believe and trust in my partner, trust in my girlfriend that if that happens, she will try to understand it from my perspective, try to see things the way I'm seeing them and hopefully we'll be able to talk it through because we can talk through anything and everything and I think that's part of what makes us so strong is that we're able to talk through so much. Ah, I love that so much. I love that so much. Yes. <laughs> speaking, speaking the language, it's so good. The, the language of love. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's go back let's go back let's talk about porn uh yeah let's talk about let's talk about your first when did you you know what age and when did you discover porn did you discover it was a thing the first time you stumbled across a naked lady in a magazine or something along those lines um so i never saw porn magazines until i was i guess probably like 16. Wow. But yeah, I was familiar with porn earlier than that because uh, yeah. my older brother had a computer in his bedroom and I was allowed to use his computer to play The Sims. And sometimes when I was on my brother's computer, I was a nosy bitch. And I would see what my <laughs> brother had on his computer instead of playing The Sims. And so <laughs> um, yes. I, 
found my brother's porn collection on his computer pretty early on. Um, definitely not something I should have been exposed to at that age, but I was. And like in retrospect, I know how damaging that could have been for me at such a young age. But especially because for me, my parents never had the sex talk with me. They had it with my brother. And so oh like- Oh my gosh, that's porn, so unfortunate. Right? <laughs> Porn ended up being my sexual education, which that is both a reflection of my parents, but also a much larger issue of there is no sex education in the U.S. really anymore. And even when I was in school, like the sexual education that we got was more like, okay, you're going to have your period. This is what it's like. Boys, you're going to have nighttime wet dreams right that's all and like it wasn't when a man and a woman love each other or anything like that it wasn't like a conversation about the birds and the bees and so I learned about sex from porn and that 100% should never be the case ever (laughs) I want to say that that as as porn performers this is something that really I mean, if I can speak for us all like a monolith, <laughs> um, that is something that really bothers us. It, you know, it bothered because for people point the finger at us and say like, you're, you know, that you're educating young people in this way to, to choke each other and like slap each other in the face and spit on each other for sex and stuff. And I'm like, no, we never asked for that. <laughs> like, yeah. It's yeah. not our fault that it's, do, that it's this way. It's y'all's fault for being like don't teach my kid about how the human body functions sexually you should not carry the burden of education and the fact that we do is incredibly hypocritical because yes if you want to give porn stars and content creators the burden of education then you also have to put that burden of education on every hollywood movie ever ever thank you thank you (laughs) yes I'm sorry, but how incredibly unrealistic is that? You're telling me that roadrunners or in Tasmanian devils, they just drop (laughs) anvils on people? Wow. Wow. That's real. Yeah. Burden of education definitely belongs there just as much as it belongs on us. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) And I will say, for example, so for example, I watched a lot of movies when I was younger and I saw some sex scenes happening, you know? when I arrived at sex, I was like, so I'm supposed to just lay on my back and he's supposed to be on top of me and I'm going to have spontaneous orgasms and it's going to be like mood lighting and, you know, sheets yep. blowing the wind and like <laughs> <laughs> comes to find out that's, that's actually not how orgasms no. work. And like, <laughs> oh, I mean, I'll, I'll set the record straight here on one thing. I do incorporate a lot of mood lighting in my sex life. <laughs> I do That's love mood lighting. Mood lighting—it makes a big difference. Set and setting it makes a big difference. It does. But this is just another thing that I feel like New Zealand has gotten right. Is so first of all, they decriminalize sex work. Thank you so much, New love Zealand. It. Amazing. Love it. Gosh, you know, the only thing they have to do now is legalize cannabis in New Zealand, and I'm like. Fucking get me there. I'm already like, get me there. How can I make it happen? (laughs) But they made this PSA a few years back. It was really cute. And it was like a commercial that was on all the TV shows and stuff. And 
it was a couple. It's like a hot dude and a hot girl scantily dressed and they're knocking on somebody's door and the woman opens the door and they're like, Hey, in their cute little accents, which I cannot do. So I'm not going to try. They're like, Hey, just so you know, your son's upstairs. He's watching us have sex on his computer, but we think that you need to talk to him about that. So you can explain to him what's realistic and what he's watching is fantasy and not real life. And we want to make sure that you are having that conversation with your kid so that, you know, he arrives at sex with a better understanding of how it's, what it's supposed to look like. And I was just like, this was on TV. Like, this is so amazing. Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. Wow. Um, And so, yeah, it's it's so beautiful. (laughs) But so I'm curious, do you remember what you were looking at? Like, were you watching like, when you found the first porno on your brother's computer, was it like anal pounding or, you know, so like, do you remember what it, it was? It was all images at the time, but then I oh, think like pictures. Very, yeah. And then okay. the very first like movie that I saw was at a friend's house. And um, it was, I remember this so fucking vividly. Cause I was like, why is this happening? Um, <laughs> it was a, it was a lesbian porn. And I use the term lesbian very loosely because it was definitely <laughs> made for the male gaze. Yeah, like these girls both had long acrylic nails. No one, no one is fingering anyone with those those claws. And I don't, I don't, I don't let people with those finger Uh, me. I'm like, let's just skip the fingering. Yeah. Um. So it was kind of like a goth girl, alt girl type porn. Both of them were very like alt looking, tattooed, like. Cool colored hair, like it checked all of my very queer boxes. Other than the fact that this is not really lesbian porn. And so I make the distinction between lesbian and girl girl. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a very girl girl porn. It was not. Yes, exactly. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And uh, I just remember this one. It was the beginning part of the porn, and. They're rubbing each other down with oil and stuff like that. But then there was like, there was like 30 seconds where they were pouring oil on each other and the oil was going at regular speed, but it was like, they were moving in slow motion, the two performers. (laughs) And so it was like this really weird, like, ah, but the oil is still moving at regular speed. And I was like, this does not make any sense. What is going on? This is weird porn. I don't want to watch it. Hey, let's just make out instead of watching this because this is not mm. this is not the kind of lesbian porn I want to watch. <laughs> yeah. So, oh man. Okay. So at, you were probably in when you saw um, this video, like middle school. I was in eighth grade. I remember eighth that. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you knew you were queer by this point. I did. I did. My first kiss was with a woman or with a, a girl my a girl. age. She was like yes. five months younger than me or something, whatever. Um, Groomer. <laughs> yeah. My my <laughs> first kidding. kiss was with a girl. I had just always found women, girls, whatever, really attractive. I thought they were pretty. And like, mm-hmm. I didn't really understand why I was seemingly the only one in my life at the time that mm-hmm. liked looking at other women. And now I know at the time I, I didn't really know what to call it. I didn't, 
I didn't have that sexual education that I so desperately needed. <laughs> yeah. So, so were were you were you raised in a religious household? Um, not super religious. My mom's side of the family was religious and my dad's side was very agnostic. And so like my dad would never make me go to church, but my mom would. Um, okay. And so it was just kind of one of those moms trying to get me to be Catholic, dads like let them do whatever they want. And so yeah, I, I found every opportunity that I possibly could to skip going to church, to skip going to Sunday school, all of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just wondering if it was, you know, the sort of lack of conversation was more with you was more related to a, a like a religious thing that, or they're just in general, like uncomfortable talking to their kids about it, although they did to your I, brother. So it's inter it's just interesting to I me. Know. I think in retrospect, like I've talked about this with my parents actually kind of recently even. Um, yeah. I think that they were uncomfortable having a conversation with me because societal norms at the time were such that, you know, it's okay for men to be players, but if a girl yes. sleeps around, she's a slut. And Fucking it's like slut. very derogatory use of the word slut. And it's just yeah. like in retrospect, I know how fucked up that is now. And I, I would never yeah. do that not that I ever plan on having children but like if I were to right. have children regardless of their gender they would have a sex conversation because yes schools aren't doing it exactly and it's, it's so frustrating it really is. <laughs> like really where is. are where do they expect people to learn about these things you know parents aren't doing it for for a wide variety of reasons schools aren't doing it because insane people are telling them that they're groomers and shit <laughs> like yep. it's like oh god i don't even want to touch that with a 10-foot pole so where are people supposed to be getting this from and it, and it is like default we're finding porn on the internet because this is the world we live in and regardless of a state telling you oh no you've got to like do an id or whatever it's like, i'm sorry there are ways around that and young people know the ways around that so yep. these these laws are literally just an attempt to censor all of us. I mean, to yeah. police the internet in ways that take away like the freedom that the internet has always been there to give us. Like, <laughs> so it's scary. I mean, I, there's, oh my gosh, there's something going through Congress right now that I'm, I'm kind of terrified of. I'm not super educated up on this yet, but I just saw it the other day. It's like a protect kids online act or some shit like oh, that. Yeah. But it's I always about protecting. Same, same. But sex workers. <laughs> Exactly. It's always about protecting the children. Uh, and that that's, you know, across the board, whenever there's a satanic panic going on, which currently is with queer people, it's protecting children, let kids be kids, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you know, I don't have kids and I don't want them. <laughs> like, <Same. laughs> why? And, and so, but you're using this weapon of children to hinder and suppress my freedoms to be an adult. I'm an adult. Hi. I like fucking and smoking a vape if I want to. And you know what I mean? Like all those types yeah. of things. I should have the freedom to do that. And you not being able to talk to your shitty kids should not be legislated onto me in an oppressive manner. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, just, it's, it's, it's exhausting. <laughs> it really is. It really yeah. is. 
I love the story that you were making out with girls in eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it's it's so good. Uh, so, how did your relationships look as you like got older? Um, you know, was there a point you realized like oh, I just like everybody? And I just um, sometime in high school, I just realized that I liked everyone. I didn't know anyone who was trans when I was growing up. I didn't. Right. and meet anyone who was trans until my early 20s but like I just knew I liked men I liked women and mm-hmm. to be honest I didn't know that anyone else existed and so yeah. you know I didn't have that education but I knew early on that both men and women were people I was interested in yeah totally yeah and for me I know that well, with transness, I think I've talked about this a little bit before on the show. Obviously, up to a certain point is like our only exposure to transness was movies and TV shows that we saw. And the transness was always the punchline. Yeah, it was always a comedic value and never mm-hmm. realistic, never healthy and it's it's terrible and it's also something that for me as a plus size performer I can also really relate to because fat people have also been the punchline or the villain yes. oh. and it's it's honestly really disgusting that we treat other humans that way um it's anyone so dehumanizing yeah anyone is capable of being a villain anyone is capable of being a punchline why is it reserved just for minorities, marginalized people, trans people, fat people, et cetera. Like that shouldn't Mm -hmm. be the case. And yet here in 2023, we're still fucking seeing it. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I do think that just the way that socially, you know, things have been relaxing in terms of, uh, who we, who society is like accepting of. And so this is the thing people are like, oh my God, the trans epidemic is happening. I'm like, no, these people have always been trans. This many people have always been trans. This many people have always been gay. It's just that now they feel like they can actually be themselves in public. That's the difference. Trans people have always existed. Gay people have always existed and they will always exist regardless no matter of what any laws that are put into place it doesn't matter people will just be in the closet about it they'll only let people know that they truly deeply trust they're never going to go away and so yeah. why would we try to make them go away that's just it's dumb yes yeah, super dumb as dumb as anti-prostitution laws, anti-sex worker sentiments. Like this, these are aspects of being a human being that have existed since human beings. And you can sit there and you can fucking make all these stupid, uneducated arguments because I know you're you're not a fucking biologist. (laughs) I know you don't know how these things work. You're just pretending like you do, but it doesn't, but none of that matters because, you know, I've always said this too. I'm always like, being gay is not a choice. Being queer is not a choice. Sorry, it's not. No. But even if it fucking was, even if it fucking was a choice, so fucking what? 
leave me alone. Let me make that choice. Like, <laughs> like the fact know? that people think that it's a choice. And then I look at my girlfriend's struggles, for example. Yeah. And if I think not to speak for her, but to speak to my own feelings, like if I were in her shoes, yeah. I probably wouldn't choose to come out because shit's fucking scary, scary. for trans folks. And I wouldn't want to feel that lack of safety. This is what I say too. <laughs> if it was a choice, would you choose a life that is absolutely going to be more difficult and in some cases terrifying? Why would yeah. you choose that? Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. the thing. It can't be a choice. It's this thing where it's inside of you. You know who you are. And until you can be free and open, you're practically like rotting from the inside. Like you're dying and, and you're trying to survive, but it's so painful. And this is why we lose so many people to unaliving themselves, as yeah. the young folks are saying these days, because it is such such it's just the heaviest internal burden that you can that you can yeah. fathom and so you have to come out to to live and to yeah. tell people to shut up and be quiet and get back in that closet is just the most inhumane thing that i can imagine it's terrible it's terrible yeah i can't imagine telling someone oh you shouldn't be able to exist like yes you what shouldn't kind be able to exist. Cold-hearted, cold-hearted bitch would say such a thing. And I, I mean, there are plenty of them. There are plenty oh, of those so many people. <laughs> <laughs> and they're very loud. <laughs> they're very loud. I wish they would just right. Be quiet. Same. Let's revoke, revoke their internet access, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> and we can pretend like they don't exist. And then they could pretend like we don't exist and it would just be so great. <laughs> It'd be fantastic. <laughs> so much better. Uh, so I did want to ask you about being a, pl a plus size model. Did that yeah. have any – because, you know – when I was stripping and stuff like that, I would hear, I'd tell people what I do for a living and they'd be like, oh, I'd do that too if I had the body. And I would always tell them, well, you have a body. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'd be like, trust me, I work with people of all sizes and shapes and they're very successful. They do very well. So the only thing truly holding you back is just you thinking that you can't do it. And I'm curious what your thoughts were as you entered the industry and how they've shifted or changed throughout doing this kind of work. Yeah. So I've always been larger than average um, in terms of like my weight and stuff like that. Uh, if you've met me, I am tiny in comparison to what many people think I am. I'm five foot two. Uh, <laughs> but I've always been fat. And I don't really perceive that my fatness is ever going to go away, which I love. That's how it should be. I'm, I love my curves. But anyway, sorry, derailing a little bit. Uh, no, please, please, <laughs> we love that. So I've had a lot of friends who talk to me as if I am not a fat person and say very similar things like, oh, if I had the body, I'd love to do porn. Or, oh, if I had the body, I'd be a stripper. And I'm just like, if they think that about themselves, what are they thinking about me? Because yes. most of my friends are smaller than I am, weight-wise. Most of my friends 
are traditionally attractive people. And fat people still don't really fall into the societal view of beauty, at least on a large main scale or mainstream scale. Yeah, and that's, that's not to say that fat people aren't sexy because fat people are fucking sexy and everybody should fuck fat people. Everybody. Yeah. We're, we're great. We're fun. We jiggle. Who doesn't love <laughs> jiggle? Oh my Who doesn't God. like a nice jiggle? Like titties, titties bouncing <laughs> and you don't really have to do much? Okay. Ass <laughs> jiggling. Mm. It's really shocking to me what people feel comfortable saying in front of fat people. Yeah. The things that people think about themselves that they don't even consider the impact it has on their fat friends. And I, I used to talk a lot more about fatness on like Twitter and stuff like that, but I don't really think it was serving me, especially in the past couple of years where Twitter has just become more of a cesspool. Um, But fat bodies are hot. Fat bodies are beautiful. Fat bodies are fun. They're sexy. And to hear your own friends or hear my own friends say things like, oh, if I had the body for it, I'd do it too. Do you think I don't have the body? Because if you think you don't have the body, how do you perceive me, a larger bodied person? And like, currently I'm at the lowest weight I've been in a very, very long time, not by choice. And to hear people th- say things like, oh, you look like you've lost weight. You look fantastic. That sort of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I do look good, but I looked good before. And in my opinion, yes. I looked better when I was fatter. And so what are these people trying to say about fatness? Yeah. And, you know, I, I mentioned it before. Fat people are also a punchline. They are also yes. villainized. And Not only that, but ever since the 80s, fatness has been demonized here in the U.S. because of a study that was literally proven false. And because here in the U.S. we love to cling on to information and take it at face value for the rest of our fucking lives. Even when it's been debunked scientifically and professionally, like the anti-vax thing. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Exactly. And like, People just have so many misconceptions about fatness, especially in regards to health. And it's just, it's really disgusting because it's, it again, it's not apples to apples. It's more like apples to oranges. It's a very similar story to the trans experience. It's Mm -hmm. a similar story, again, not apples to apples, just apples to oranges. It's a similar experience to racism and race Mm -hmm. politics in the US. And a few years ago, a study, someone wrote a thesis that got like really, really popular. um, And then like they published books about it and stuff like that. But there's a correlation between fat phobia and racism that a lot of people don't even think about. And so when you look at words that people use to describe fat people or people of color, there's a lot of similarities. And Mm -hmm. When I when I read that and I listened to that and I learned about it, like obviously I am white. I am never gonna have the same experience as my counterparts of color. Yeah. But it made me feel like I had a better understanding and so that I knew how to better treat them 
because if I'm feeling this way as a fat white person, how are they feeling as a fat black person or even as a skinny black person? And I think that being fat has given me a lot of compassion for both myself and my peers that some standard bodied folks don't have because they've never had that sort of experience. Being fat in this industry is hard as fuck because there are people who are like, "Ew, you're fat. I don't want to fuck you on camera. But (sighs) we'll then turn around and like slide in my DMs being like, hey, you want to hook up? Like, no, if you won't fuck me on camera, why wouldn't I fuck you off camera? Like, (laughs) excuse me. That happens. That happens to you. You'll be rejected by someone for work, but then they'll want to fuck you outside of work. Yeah. Oh God. I'm so sorry. That's, that's fucking icky. And like, (laughs) that's fucking gross. For me, it's not even nearly as bad as like Cassie's experience. She's had that even worse than I have. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. And it's just, it's really disgusting behavior because Mm -hmm. that people sell. Some of the top studios on clips for sale are fat people. Yes, this is what I was going to say. On many vids are fat people. Like on the internet, making an internet career out of your uh, fat body. Like I know that the the, y'all bitches be making money. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And it's it's really interesting because I see things obviously from my own perspective. But I also try to think of my job from my customer's perspective. And there are all these beautiful, oh my God, beautiful fat babes in this industry. Fucking gorgeous. Put them on a pedestal, worship them like they are Greek goddesses. Beautiful. And I see major studios like Team Ski, Brazzers, all of that. They'll shoot like one or two plus size babes a year and then call it quits. Yeah. And then you, they question, why isn't this category profitable for me? Why isn't this category yeah. profitable for my business? Yeah. And I think a lot of them don't really realize that if you want to be successful with making BBW porn, with making plus size porn, one or two scenes a year featuring a fat person is not going to get fat fans. It's not going to get people subscribing because if they want to see plus size porn, they're going to go to Jeff's models. They're going to go to Plumper Pass because that's nothing but fat people. And so it also plays into how much representation matters because once you see, let's say if browsers put out the same number of scenes that were plus size as they did standard size, they would make a killing in plus size porn. They Mm -hmm. would. Because yeah. people want to see that, but yes, because they, they only do one or two scenes a year, they don't see that reflected in their earnings. And then they wonder, oh gosh, why isn't BBW porn more profitable? Because right. you're doing literally the bare minimum and expecting right. the same turnaround, the same influx mm-hmm. of income that you get with standard bodies. And it's just... Mm-hmm. It's a bad business practice, it, but yep. it's also just like, really, you, you wonder why it's not making you money because you're not actually catering to the fans of that genre. And that applies to any genre out there. If yeah. you don't do more than one, they're not going to buy. They're not going right. to subscribe. They don't you're not like because you did in, one. Right. You're <laughs> not investing in this. And that's the thing about 
you know, selling porn online anyways, like it's so all about consistency, yep. you know? So I know it's consistency, yep. like with the clip stores, it has to be the same days every week, you know, same amount. And once yep. you get that consistency going, people start to see, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. And with the representation thing, like I'm just, it's so important. And representation in mainstream media is like what I think shifts progress, right? Yeah. And since porn anymore kind of is like mainstream media, and then you've got mainstream porn, and then you've got like indie queer porn, which is like what we're doing, you know, yeah. but it's like not as many people are seeing this stuff. And I would just love to see uh, an integration of bodies, you know, and, uh, this is kind of, this is sort of like where I've gone with the content that I make. I'm just like, I just want to work with humans that I, yeah. that I like, that I'm attracted yeah. to. And that's all kinds of different bodies and shapes and identities. And so I'm like, my goal is just, I want more people to see that there is porn for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it, like something that you hear a lot from people is, well, maybe I'd be into porn, but I just always see this awful shit or, you know, I see lesbian porn and like, they're not really into it. And I'm like, yeah. it's you're looking at the front page of Pornhub. You're not you're finding porn made for the male gaze. Yes. A very specific straight cis male gaze. And there's so much other stuff out there. It's just so un underground. I'm like, I want the people to find what I'm making. <laughs> yeah. Because when I have made scenes with um, like you or, you know, Courtney Trouble or whatever, I get these women, you get my female fans coming to me and being like, when I saw that, I, I, I felt so seen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it just is that it's exactly like what you say. If they would just do it on a normal basis, make this a regular thing, it would become integrated. But you have to be willing to make that investment into yeah. diversity, uh, you yeah. know, <laughs> um, to, to give people that variety of bodies and all this stuff. And so that's the thing. You know, people thinking that I don't have the body to do this or whatever. I'm like, bull fucking shit. <laughs> Literally like, anybody can do this. Anybody. I, I, I've worked with someone this year, actually quite a bit this year, who is in a wheelchair most of the time. They're not someone who can walk a lot. And so mm -hmm. almost every time that we've gone out in public together, they're in their wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And they watch the or they they watch the AVN red carpet um, mm -hmm. in their wheelchair. And they had asked me, should I do my red carpet photos in my wheelchair? And I said, fuck yes, because they were the first person to walk the AVN red carpet in a fucking wheelchair. And that is oh power. God, that it. is representation. Yes. That is them being seen. And. I, I was actually just editing a scene of the two of us together today so that I could post it this week. And like, yes. they're a beautiful, beautiful performer. They're non-binary, they're plus size. They're, they tend to be in a wheelchair most of the time. And mm -hmm. they're fantastic. They've at this point been nominated for multiple awards. They won best cosplay of the year for, I think it was um, the Inked Awards. Like mm. they're fucking cool as shit. And yes. we need to see more of that. We need to yes. see the disability. We need to see the yes. fatness. We need to see the transness. We need to see mm -hmm. the, the people of color. We need to see all of it. 
represented more in porn. And like very similar to you, Sin, I I love shooting with as many people as possible because yeah. I'm I'm still a small performer in terms of like my following, my recognition and that sort of thing. But if I can use my platform to elevate someone who is more marginalized than I am, I am 100% going to do it because I remember when I started out, I didn't have someone helping me boost my visibility. I didn't have yeah. the, I didn't have someone willing to sit there and help me. And so right. like I, I obviously don't have time to help every single person that asks, but like I've made sure. it a point to write blogs that are educational for my peers, not for my yeah. customers. I put right. out as much information as I possibly can to help not just people who are of the same following as I do, but to help those mm -hmm. that want to get to where I am and like that sounds really egotistical but like I'm not a small potato still like right I'm not a big fish in the big sea I'm I'm a little mm. fish and that's okay yeah but I can it's totally okay use my, my platform to elevate those who they're not quite there yet but I want them to be you know yes and gives just gives them the hope of be like you can do this too everyone can do this and, and sort of like here's how Exactly. And, and that's one thing I definitely noticed about you. You are a hard, smart worker. Am I, <laughs> am I right in that assessment? Yes. yes. <laughs> I see you making like spreadsheets and shit. Like <laughs> you're good at this. Yep. <laughs> it's a business. And yeah. I, I love that I have a business mind to approach this from. You do. Because I, I think it really helps me in the long run. But oh, yeah. I'm also a person and I like to use me as a person to help, especially my friends, but help other people, yeah. you know, and I, I work with such a wide variety of people, trans men, cis men, NDs, cis women, trans women, fat people, skinny people, all of them, because yes. I find everyone that I work with to be beautiful in some way, shape or form. Mm hmm. So. Yeah, same. I, I think it's just normal to have like body insecurities as a human in this world and inundated yeah. with magazines and models on Instagram and all this other shit. But one thing that porn honest to God taught me is that like the little things that I see on my body almost as like flaws are things that a fan will reach out specifically to say that thing. I love it. I think yep. it's the best thing ever. And, yep. I, and I'm sitting here like that thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that is the way that, it, that it's, you know, so I think some people think you get into porn and you're comparing yourself with everybody and your, you know, your body isn't perfect enough and that's just going to like destroy your self-esteem and da, 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 da. And I don't want to take away the experience for people who do feel that way and have had that be their reality. But my perspective of it has really been that it's shown me in a way that living sort of a normal civilian life wouldn't ever show me that all bodies, all people are beautiful in some way to someone. And yeah. what, be, what doing porn on the internet showed me is beautiful to, in many ways, to lots of ones. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so in that sense, it really taught me that this is why when people 
will leave a comment or something that's like, oh God, you're literally perfect. And I, my instinct always is to write be back and be like, no, I am not perfect. Like, please don't say that. <laughs> but it just showed me that honestly, the word perfect is completely subjective. There's yeah. no objectively perfect face, body, whatever. It's, it's the perception you know, that's beauty is in the perception and we all just have a different lens, a different attraction. And, and it, and so in that sense, it's taught me to be more celebratory of diversity and see the beauty in so many different things and like the joy in it and, and all that. So again, you know, everyone's going to try people out there, all those people out there, you know, <laughs> saying, <laughs> Oh, but porn is bad for all these reasons. And I'm I'm just like, man, what it has done for me and the way that I look at the world and the way that I look at myself is nothing but opening my mind in beautiful ways yeah. to more possibilities. If anything, porn has taught me to love myself harder than yes. before I was in porn. Like, yeah, I, I've always been someone that's like, I love my body. I, I remember telling my mom, I was like 16 or something that I was more comfortable in my skin than she was. And to me, that was a really powerful statement. Because like, my, my parents, they were always like, you're too fat, you need to lose weight, should you be eating that much, that sort of thing. And <sighs> like, that's damaging. And modern has taught me like, it doesn't matter what size your body is. It doesn't matter how able bodied you are. Mm -hmm. Someone out there is going to find you sexy. Someone out there is going to jerk off to you. And yes, honestly, that's fucking cool. I mean, (laughs) I know some people can see that. I'd be like, I'd be creeped out knowing people are out there jerking off to me. And I'm like, cool, then porn is not for you, but I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I I think there's a lot of power to it. And like, if if people aren't familiar with me, like I am a bit of a power hungry slut sometimes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My my inner dominatrix coming out here. Um, But there's a lot of power in self-love because we live in a country where self-love is not only demonized, but it is challenged every single day. Anytime you consume any sort of mainstream media, a magazine, a TV show, a radio show, a movie, any of it, by practicing self-love you are challenging societal norms you're challenging what major companies want to think want you to think of yourself and Mm. so if you're like me who is very anti-capitalist loving yourself is a huge part of breaking apart capitalism I love myself and so I treat myself as best as I can And that isn't always buying things. That isn't always, it's it's never, in my case, buying into diet culture because it's toxic. So toxic. Capitalism just as a whole is incredibly toxic, but capitalism also teaches you that you should hate yourself so that you buy more things to make you love yourself. Feel better. Yeah. This will make you love yourself. Now, you know what makes me love myself? Me. My yes. job. Because I love yes. my job. Yes. And 
to me, it really hit home a few years ago. I had someone who wrote me an email. He, he was a customer. He bought a bunch of uh, custom videos from me. And one day he wrote me this beautiful email about how I helped him learn to love himself more yes. and how he was going through, a, at the time, really nasty divorce. And he had wished that his soon-to-be ex-wife would radically love herself the way that I love myself. And like, it was, it was really heartbreaking at the time because I'm like, oh, wow, I, I wish I could say something that would help you. But to hear him say like, you are helping people, you are helping me in my life. It's really powerful. And it just, it really made me realize just how much power we do have as pornographers to improve the lives of people that buy from us. And yes. that's all I want to do is make people happy. <laughs> Same. And I'm, cause I've had those two, those emails. And yeah. so people say you know, them out there are saying, you know, there's no value to what we do. They will there's try so really hard to tell us that there's no value. And I am like, you have not read the emails that I get from people. Yeah. You have no idea how the stuff that we do and make is changing people's minds and hearts and and lives and no across the board every single person of course not some people are looking at it they're like that's hot i'm jerking off i'm done i'm on with my day but other people are watching it and they're getting something from it whether it's that freedom of sexuality that lack of shame that lack of guilt that celebration of our sexuality and our humanity in that way Um, But I've had people say, you know, watching you just unapologetically be yourself and enjoy your who you are and your queerness, it helped me come out of the closet. I literally someone told me I helped them to come out of the closet. And for me, I was just like, I'm like, this is like, this is my, this is my purpose in life. I I truly feel my purpose in life is to inspire um, other people with just the way that I exist in the world. If, if that can inspire, that. Uh, yeah, it's so that. fulfilling. Yeah. And, and so I just, if people get anything out of this podcast, you know, I hope that it is to see that there are these you know, multiple facets to all humans. And, you know, I think problem, part of the problem with porn is that when people look at it from the outside, they're just like, I don't, I don't see how anyone could want to do that or get anything out of it, da, 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 da. And I'm like, that is totally fine for you to not see that, but leave us alone. Exactly. <laughs> like you don't have to see it, but just leave us alone because it is there whether you see it or not. Just because yeah. you couldn't imagine ever wanting to share your body for money and these different ways or whatever does not mean that other people don't get absolute joy from it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. There are so many people to what you said that writes me that you inspired me to put on some weight. You inspired me to transition. You inspired me to do whatever. And like that is one, so much power, (laughs) but two, it is so beautiful that something I created in my bedroom is having an impact on someone's life. Like to me, that is a cool piece of content that I created. 
Right. But to them, it changed who they are. It inspired them to be themselves. And like, wow. When I started, I did not think I would ever have that sort of impact. I didn't even know that that impact could be had. And then now here I am 16-ish years later, and I'm just like, I've helped people. Yeah. I helped people, people yes. who I don't even know. Little and strangers. It's, just, it's it's really beautiful. It's it's empowering. It's super. Oh, it just makes me feel good. And like there's there's hope for people out there because if yes. something that I made in my bedroom with my camera and my lights can inspire someone to live their true life in whatever way that is. That is, yes. that's incredible. And I hope that more people can see that porn has that effect on others. And like you said, if it's not for them, cool. If it is for them, cool. We shall be able to live our lives how we want. And that yes. includes allowing space for the people who do feel empowered by porn. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought this was America. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting rough out there, kids. But absolutely. I mean, it's so, man, I just, I love it. I love it. Uh, It's so meaningful. And I'm so glad. And I love commiserating in this way and hearing that, you know, other people are getting that same shit too. And it's like, yeah, a little celebration in my heart, you know? (laughs) Oh my God, well, this has just been a perfect and wonderful, exactly everything I hoped it would be. Thank Yay. you so much. Um, now, if you can stick around, we have a couple of questions that I'd love to yeah. have your perspective on yeah. to answer. So this first one's kind of more, a little fun. It, this okay. is a question about, uh, I do solicit to fans and listeners to, to send in their, your questions. And I do get a lot of like sex relationship questions, which I love. Absolutely. But I always tell people, if you have questions about porn, things you're curious about, about porn, how things work, whatever, ask me those too. And so I think this is pretty much the first one. Um, okay. And I've gotten this question before. And it's tough for me to answer because it's hard for me to remember specific things things happening. So Sydney, I'm hoping that you have a story. So the question is, what's the funniest thing that's happened to you or a co-star on set? And did it make it harder or easier to finish? Okay. So um, I do. I I told someone this story the other day. Um, So this was not a hardcore porn story, but it is still a fetish porn story. A few years ago, I guess more like 10 years ago. Um, Time is a construct. (laughs) Um, I was at FetishCon and I had set up a shoot with someone who is now a friend, but at the time they were a complete stranger, basically. We had talked on the internet. Wait, wait, what's FetishCon? um, So FetishCon is a three or four day convention that happens in Florida every summer. And it, is, it brings together models, producers, photographers, fans, all of that, where they can just have a fetish-filled weekend. There are dungeons. There's a sales floor, convention floor, where people do signings, sell fetish gear, all sorts of things. And so I, I used to go all the time when I lived in Florida because mm. it was in my backyard. I could just drive yeah. two hours to Tampa and call it a day. 
Yeah. And um, so this this year that I'm at FetishCon, I forget what exact year it was. I had set up a shoot with um, Sarah Diavola, and huh. it was the first time her and I were meeting in person. We had only talked on Twitter. Yeah. And we set up a shoot for like an ungodly hour of like 9 a.m. or something no. like that. Who, who <laughs> let me do that? Who let me do that? No. I don't know. So it's me, Sarah, and my friend Lauren. And the three of us are in the, Lauren's in my hotel room filming. And Lauren's running camera. And Sarah and I are doing a foot fetish femdom clip. And basically, mm-hmm. the premise for the clip was our feet are in your face. And we're going to ignore you, humiliate you, et cetera. And so one of the things that we decided to do is as part of the ignore, we were just going to flick off the camera while we make out with our feet in the camera space. Yeah. And so we're making out, we're having a super fun time. Although Sarah has coffee, cigarette breath. I've got (laughs) morning (laughs) breath, like not a great combo. We're doing our best. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly, and I don't remember if it was me or Sarah, but one of us, our stomach growled so loud that we both <laughs> could hear it. And so we just were like still face to face making out, but we just start laughing into each other's mouths. And poor Lauren is at the foot of the bed with the camera, confused out of her mind because she didn't hear it. She had no oh. idea what's going on. And so Sarah and I are just cracking up at the sound of whichever of our tummies just growled so loud that like, oh, one of us needed to eat. One of us needed to eat. Right. <laughs> and it was, just, it was hilarious. And we had to take like a five, 10 minute break just to get all the giggles out because it was so fucking yeah. funny. And we just finished say, the uh, video. Right, right. <laughs> but, I was like, you could kind of incorporate it in somehow. Just like, oh, we're just laughing at you. Don't worry about it. I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those moments where, like, we probably could have done that, but we were both so tired from partying and filming yes. and all of that that, like, yes. it just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> oh, my God. The classic stomach growl. Absolutely. It's not you. Not the first. <laughs> it definitely won't be the last. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, that is the thing about FetishCon. It's a little too much fun. Yeah. But you try it's- to set up all this work and you before you go there, you're just like, fuck yeah, I got all these shoots set up. I'm going to do it. We're going to have all this content. It's going to be great. And then you get there and everyone's just drinking and doing whatever else. And (laughs) you have your shoot, even if it's not 9 a.m., even if it's like 11 or like 1, doesn't matter. People going to be canceling. Like, (laughs) (laughs) It's just a part of the deal there. So I will say, (laughs) yes. Some fu- funny noises is a uh, common, <laughs> yeah. common, like, funny thing to happen on set. Um, again, it's just after so many years and being so comfortable and normalized with things that happen with the body on set, it's hard for me when people ask this question, what's the funniest thing that's happened? I'm just kind of like, I don't fucking yeah. know, dude. Like, I just... <laughs> What's even funny? I don't know. But if we're talking about sounds, I will say that. So since I got my hip replacement, it can, in certain positions, make a little kind of a a squeaking noise. Oh, no. (laughs) 
kind of think, I mean, because you got to think about it as a ball and socket joint. Yeah. And rather than being like <clears throat> anymore, it's not a bone on a bone with a nice cushion of cartilage in between that makes things move smoothly. The issue that I had was that that cartilage wore down until it was bone on bone. And then I was just living in pain and I had to get a hip replacement. So now I have what I think is like a ceramic cup and a titanium ball. And, you know, it just squeaks in there sometimes. Oh, no. And so this time around when I went out to L.A. and, and uh, shot a bunch of scenes for mainstream and I was like, I'm going to do it this time. You know, I'm getting older. I haven't been on my trib game the way I was when I was younger because yeah. I'm fucking getting older. Okay. That's just <laughs> how things work. And I was like, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to, I'm going to fucking trib these girls. Like I'm going to get into it. <laughs> okay. This was my mindset. Like I'm going to push myself fucking trib really hard. And so I, I did that. I, I did a scene um, and I was going for it and I could hear it. And I, so sometimes I feel like, is it just me? Is it like, you know, sometimes maybe you like squeak your teeth or something and you hear it in your head a lot, but nobody else can hear it. So it's kind of like, I hope that externally, this isn't as loud as it sounds to me right now. So the next day where I was doing another scene, and with the same crew, everybody was the same. And uh, I was kind of complaining to the director about it. I'm just like, I'm trying to trip, man. But like, I know you can hear my squeaky ass fucking old lady hip. Oh, no. <laughs> and the director was like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't think you can hear it. And I looked at the sound guy who's holding this boom mic that is directly over our bodies for the whole fucking scene. And I'm like, look at him. And I'm like, he heard it. I know he could hear it didn't you you heard it didn't you and he looks at us and he's just like i mean eh. I'm like yeah you fucking did like, oh, no. i just like i just like i hope that the editors have the sound editors have some magic trick where they can dampen that squeaky sound and still have our sexy sounds on top of it because Oh, uh, i'm like they're not gonna hire me for mainstream anymore i got the old lady squeaky hips like, but yeah so you know does it make it harder or easier to finish i don't know maybe it makes it a little harder to finish just because you're laughing but you get you know we're professionals okay we can always get it together and finish the scene that's just exactly part of the job even even outside of performing laughter is a regular part of my sex life same. And so, like, even if something funny did happen, I mean, the number of it. times, like, I farted. Oh, yeah. We just fucking laugh about it. Oh, yeah. I, for some reason, I am always incredibly gassy after sex. Yeah. And so, my girlfriend and I just make the joke, like, if I burp after we have sex, that's how you know it was good sex. And Yay! So, like, body, <laughs> body noises—they're just so normal, and like, I love it. Yeah, so normal that I don't know—it doesn't affect my ability to finish a scene ever because Same. bodies be bodying. Bodies be bodying, absolutely. I love it, and you know, queefs—queefs queefs are a celebration. Let's get it out. <laughs> 
<laughs> when I saw this amazing meme the other day, like, if you are someone who doesn't laugh at all farts, then you're a loser because that means that you have the same amount of farts in your life, but you, way less laughter and right? joy. And I'm like, that's it. That's it exactly. Come on. Farts are funny. We don't have to take everything so fucking seriously. My exactly. best orgasms are the ones that like when I come down from the orgasm, I'm laughing. Exactly. Those are the best. It's joy. <laughs> it's joy, y'all. Integrate it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Okay. This is a great question. What are your thoughts and experience with asexuality? I think I am asexual and I worry that this means I will never have a life partner from C. So, so Ooh. much to say about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you so got? I, my, my girlfriend is not asexual. However, she goes through periods where her sex drive is so low that she's just not able, not willing, not in the right mindset to have sex. Yeah. And so I know that that's not exactly the same, but I don't, my love for her doesn't change based on her sex drive. And yes. I think that a good communicative partner will always understand such things. And sure, it may be harder to find, but my last relationship um, before Cassie, I was in a relationship with a cis man who we never had penis and vagina sex ever. Never? Never. In six years? In six years. <laughs> my head is exploding <laughs> out of the back of my skull right now. That's that's he, just it's wild to me. Please tell. He did not enjoy receiving pleasure. Oh, what? And so he would happily give me pleasure. And I won't say that he didn't enjoy it. It just had to be very specific things. Okay. And so I, I'm not ace, so I can't speak to the ace experience. But from what yeah. I understand for ace people, and I could be very wrong, they only want sex in specific type of mindsets or scenarios. Certain I things. feel like that might be the gray ace thing. Maybe. Or it's like Maybe. sometimes some like you do you are someone who can be turned on and want to have sex, but it's super duper specific scenarios. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I I'm not super familiar. Um yeah. and so I don't want to say something that is incorrect. But um yeah. like I said, my my ex and I, we never had penis and vagina sex. I pegged him twice. I gave Did him a couple like hand that? job. Yeah, he loved pegging was one of his things that he loved to okay. experience pleasure from okay. um but six years with yeah. someone and never having penis and vagina sex with them is wow. a long time and granted yeah. i did have sex with other people during that time um yeah. we were also very open and so i had sex with lots of other people while he and i were together um both yeah. professionally and personally yeah and so I think that as as long as you are open to communicating and open to hearing your partner's needs, there is always space to be ace in a relationship. That rhymed, and I did not mean for it. I to, love but, it. Hello, <laughs> yes, um, space like, to be ace. <laughs> my my ex didn't. Like it didn't bother him that I sought pleasure from others because he knew that he 
wasn't into pleasure in that way. And yeah. so we talked about it and like, we weren't the healthiest of relationships. I will say that, but we talked yeah. about it enough where like, he was okay with me having sex with other people. And like, I even had like a side piece that we were seeing each other for an entire freaking year. Yeah. Um, we'd meet up once a week and have good sex. And then I'd go home yeah. with my boyfriend. <laughs> you know? And that's like all it was. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that there is a lot of opportunity to have a relationship with someone, to have a life partner without having sex. Because sex isn't necessary if everything else is good. So good. Yeah. And like, granted, I, I love sex. I'm maybe not the best person to ask about being ace or anything like that. But <laughs> I, I I love sex. I love pleasure. But I've also been in a relationship that in most people's definition of sex was a sexless relationship. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think what's important is, you know, first step, I'd say maybe like go on an ACE Reddit. Yeah. Uh, look for ACE accounts on Twitter and on Instagram. God knows. I'm sure there's tons. Yeah. And and so familiarize yourself with the ACE experience from other people's discussions about it who are ACE as well. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that I have sort of observed over the years is that just because you're ace in no way does that mean you can't be in a long-term relationship exactly there are ace people out there who are married there are ace people out there who have children like just because yep. you're ace doesn't mean you're physically incapable of having sex um exactly. and so even if it's something that you're not super comfortable with and you don't like it but you maybe want a family you will have sex with a partner to achieve that. And it's fine. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm not saying that's, uh, you know, listener, I'm not saying that's exactly like what your story has to look like. Of course it doesn't, but it's just to show that example of, you know, you're still a human being and there's a difference between, you know, being asexual and being aromantic. And there are lots of people who are asexual, but still have romance in their lives. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're also aromantic. That doesn't mean that you can't have a life partner, have someone who I'm, is like your. I'm aromantic and I'm in a very loving, very romantic four year long relationship, despite the fact that I don't really care about being in a relationship. I don't need that. <laughs> like, I love right? the hell out of my partner and she's. Yes the best but yes. just because you are ace just because you are arrow just because you're you're straight just because you're whatever doesn't mean that that has to be your entire identity and it doesn't have yeah. to define your relationships either yes i mean i could say more but i really feel like that was it <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that was it. <laughs> Tie it up with a bow. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. See, I really hope that you know what we've said here in, can inspire you to do a little more exploration. I can almost guarantee you, there's an asexual dating site out there. I can yeah. almost guarantee it. Yeah. So there's a dating site for everything. Farmers yeah. only exists. Right. <laughs> 
Right. So, you know, just get on that internet and get out there and explore around and specifically look up ACE spaces and read the stories of the variety of different ways that that you can have a life that's lovely, yeah. enjoyable, full of love and companionship. And you got There's this. There's something out there for everyone. There are sober yep. bars popping up all yep. over the country. And oh God, if you I ever told that. me that a sober bar was going to be a thing, I would have been like, that's wild. That's that's crazy. And yeah. I'm like, I have so many sober friends who would love to be able to go to a place like a bar and yes. have a good time, but never did because Not they drink. don't want to be around alcohol. Like, that's incredible. Yep. And so that tells me mm-hmm. that there's a place, there's a person for everyone. I absolutely believe that. That sounds kind of cool too. Like they probably make yeah. all these awesome little mocktails and shit. Yeah, right. Super into that. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I want to find one now. Awesome. God, Sydney, just great time. You're an awesome guest, wonderful guest. I knew you would be. And can you please tell all of my listeners where they can find you and pay for the porn that you make and support you? Yeah. So the easiest place to find me just in case social medias go down is sydneystreams.com. Um, that links to all of my paid avenues. Um, it's got my blog on it. Um, there's a bunch of info about me. If you want to buy my content, if you want fetish content, go to sydneyscreamsforyou.com. And that's the number four and the letter U, sydneyscreamsforyou.com. And that has all my fetish content. And if you want my hardcore content, my queer porn, then go to sydneyscreams.xxx. And that has all of my hardcore sex scenes, solo masturbation scenes, POV sex scenes, all of that. And so, yeah, those are the best places to support me. Awesome. Well, everybody get out there. Check out Sydney's stuff. It's amazing and passionate. Thank <laughs> and thank you so much for being a guest today. Of course. And it's great time. Yes. Everyone else, uh, you know where you can find all my stuff, sin-sage.com, best place to start. And we need your questions here at the podcast. Need them. So please think of something sexy that you're curious about, whether it's related to the sex you're having or the sex you're not having, whether it's related to relationship issues that you're having, toys, porn, if you're just curious, send those questions in to sinsagepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's sinsagepodcast at gmail.com. You spell sin with two N's. Hopefully you all know that by now. And we would love to answer your question uh, on the podcast someday. So everybody... Thank you so, so much for listening. Please tell all your friends. Please make sure you subscribe to this podcast. It makes a huge difference. And yeah, get out there and live authentically. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) Bye.